Well, it is now officially less than T minus uh, 14 hours before we'll all be somewhere um, counting down the seconds from 11.59 and 50 seconds all the way down to midnight and wishing farewell to 2017 and welcoming in the, the blank slate of a brand new year of 2018. And I imagine, as is, is probably true in most years, Pretty well all of us in this room, when it comes to 11.59.50 tonight, are going to be in pretty well one of two places, I would think. I would think that some of us are going to be counting down the seconds as the ball drops, kind of celebrating 2017 as a year to remember. And I imagine that some of us have real things to celebrate this year. This was a year maybe of relationship for you where you found community or solidified, you know, best friendships or um, maybe even formalized a relationship through engagement or you got married. Maybe for, for some of you, this was a year you brought a child into the world or a year when you sent your child out into the world to work or to school uh, or down the aisle. Uh, probably for some of us, this was the year that we started school. For others of us, this is a year that we left school. For some of us, this is probably a year when we started our career. For others, a year when we found the courage to change careers. And for others, when we found the freedom to leave a career in retirement and just celebrate uh, a working life well lived. I imagine there's tons of reasons to celebrate 2017. Spiritually speaking, um, there are some of you who will celebrate 2017 is a year to remember because you, uh, for the first time this year, put your faith in Jesus Christ and experienced what it means to be forgiven for all of the ways in which every single one of us falls short of being the person that God has created us to be, someone who loves God with everything we have and who loves everybody else in the world as much as we love ourselves. And you got to experience the freedom of forgiveness from guilt and shame and, and the beginnings of being transformed into the person that God has created to be, someone who looks like Jesus. There are some of you who marked that decision this year through the act of baptism. I imagine there were some of you who, from the penny dropped this year, and you just discovered that despite the, however you were conceptualizing faith, the simplicity of following Jesus is really just about love, loving God and loving people. It's not any more complicated than that. I imagine for some of you, and I know for some of you, 2017 was a year where you began to emerge from a season of doubt or discouragement or even depression, from deconstruction where you'd been kind of taking your faith apart and now you feel like you're putting it back together again in a way that makes sense of your life and it makes sense in your community and it makes sense the scriptures and make sense of the spirit. For some of us, we're celebrating the fact that we experienced 2017 as a year of the closeness of God and rootedness in spiritual community and the opportunity to give and to receive love, especially to those on the margins who need it the most. For me, uh, 2017 had some moments that I, I will really celebrate fondly tonight. Um, as I hopefully lie in bed and snore my way through midnight. But um, I'll celebrate 20 years of being in ministry in this place. 
and the chance that I had on September 1st and the season around it to kind of recalibrate who I am and who I've been in and for this community, to celebrate the goodness of getting to be family with all of you for 20 years, this church that I love so deeply and have been a part of since I was six years old. In 2017, I finished the coursework in my PhD and uh, I'm studying for comprehensive exams and I hope by Easter or after Easter uh, to be into writing my dissertation and I'm telling you all of that so you can all hold me accountable uh, for that. 2017 was a year that for some inexplicable reason marked the 14th year in a row where Krista decided uh, to keep me, which sometimes is an inexplicable decision and one that I don't take for granted. But there are lots of things I'll celebrate this year. But I imagine that as much as there are those who are celebrating 2017 as a year to remember, uh, there are others who at 11.59.50 when they start counting will be bidding farewell to 2017, which is a year they'd rather forget. I know this year's been hard for some people. It's been a year of loss for some people. There are folks who have lost relationships this year, lost friendships and lost community, maybe even lost marriages. There are some who have lost loved ones this year. And 2017 is marked with grief uh, and pain. Uh, there are some who have lost jobs this year, maybe lost homes this year. Some who've lost hope this year. Some who found that God wasn't close. God was, in fact, far away. Someone, some who haven't found a spiritual community where they could honestly and authentically be themselves with others. There are some who hadn't found a way to give or receive love with anyone. And it'll be a year that you're, um, you've battled with doubt, you've battled with depression, you've battled with deconstruction, you've gone to battle with your brain, with anxiety and addiction. And as you count down from 11.59.50 down to midnight, uh, you will It'll be good riddance to bad rubbish and a prayer that 2018 could be the start of something new. And you know what? I've had those moments in 2017 as well. My 20th anniversary was actually a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be. I went into a bit of a kind of a mini midlife crisis around my identity as a pastor. I just found myself plagued with questions about what, this has all been about what, what has 20 years actually accomplished? What has it been for? Has it been working, worth anything to anybody? Has God done anything? My, my worst fears and, and doubts and um, self-doubt all kind of emerged as I wondered what all of this has meant and whether it's been worth it. Um, in 2017, my dad moved to B.C., for the final time with his wife, Betty. And now um, our family is kind of thrown into the chaos of trying to figure out what it means to be family in this kind of season. And some of you know what it means to live as a family with loved ones in other time zones and how you just have to recalibrate 
what family looks like, what relationships are going to look like, how they're going to work among those who are left behind and, and across the distance, you know, with my dad who's far away. It's caused me to kind of rethink my own relationships with my kids as a result. There's been hard seasons to this 2017 as well. For me, and I think for other people too, I think the world stage has been disconcerting to people. There's political turmoil. Um, there's talk of, you know, nuclear war for the first time in over 30 years. Uh, extreme weather events, you know, hurricanes and, and, and wildfires. And this was the third year in a row where we set a record for global temperatures, racism. Like there's just... 2017 was a hard year for a lot of people. And as we count down, it won't be celebrating a year to remember. It'll be saying farewell to a year we'd rather forget. And what I wanted to do with the time that we have this morning is just simply offer a word of perspective to people in each one of those camps, or probably many of us are in some combination of both of those mindsets. And I just wanted to, to offer one word uh, to each of those sorts of perspectives to help us frame our New Year celebrations tonight and what it looks like to enter into our new year tomorrow morning. And so to those who are celebrating 2018 as a year to remember, my word for you is this. It's don't forget God. Don't forget God. I want to read to you from, from Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 12 where it says this. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses is writing to uh, the people of Israel who have come through a very challenging season in their own history, but who are now emerging into a season of optimism, of hope, where everything seems like it's going up and to the right. Moses says, though you've, you know, you know what it's like to be hungry, in this coming season, you're going to eat and be satisfied. You're going to be filled. You're going to have more than you even know what to do with. It says you're, you're going to build your first home and it's going to be beautiful. Your flocks and your herds are going to grow large. Your assets are going to um, appreciate in value in ways that you've never seen before. Your silver and gold will increase. Your bank account, your investments will all be up and to the right. He says basically everything you have will be multiplied. Your relationships will be multiplied. Your family will be multiplied. Kids will be multiplied. Love will be multiplied. Opportunity will be multiplied. Health and wealth and prosperity prosperity and abundance and joy and hope and meaning and purpose, all of it will be multiplied. And Moses says it's in those seasons when everything seems like it's up and to the right, it's in those seasons that we're most in danger of growing proud and forgetting God. Actually, what he does as you read the verses that follow, 
Moses goes on to tell the story of Israel's journey from having nothing and being in slavery to having everything they could have ever dreamed of. And, and it's a journey that Moses, the story Moses tells is the story of the ways in which God was the one who led them to where they are. A story of all the things that happened behind the scenes, the unseen things, the coincidences, the miraculous provision, the supernatural strength that helped them carry through when they didn't think they could carry on. And the story that Moses tells is kind of a reminder to the Israelites to say, listen, when you take a step back and you celebrate all of the good stuff that's going on in your life, remember that in ways that are easy to forget, everything that you experience is the gift of God's undeserved generosity in your life and nothing else. The Bible says every good and perfect gift you have ever received has come from God. It's not what you've earned or what you've done. It's what God has done for you. The, the apostle Paul, hundreds of years later, captures it this way in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7. It says, what do you have that you did not receive as a free gift from God, he means. And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Paul says, look at your life. Every beautiful thing you have in your life is a gift that God has given you himself. Don't think that it's something you've done or something that you've earned or something that you deserve. It is God's undeserved, unmerited generosity and goodness being poured out in your life. And so at 1159 and 50 seconds tonight, when you start counting down the ball drop, this is what Moses would say to you. Verse 10 in Deuteronomy 8. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Moses says, when you take a step back, like we will tonight, and we celebrate all of the good things that we experienced in 2017, Moses says two things. Number one, at 11.59 and 50 seconds, start by praising God. He says, bless the Lord acknowledge the fact that everything worth celebrating in 2017 was the gift of God's generous goodness in your life. Praise him for what he's done in you and through you and everything he's given to you. And then Moses says, number two, do not forget to obey everything that he's called you to do and he's called you to be. As you count down the ball tonight, if you're celebrating 2017 as a year to remember, count down the ball, praising God, making God the center of your story, making God the hero of the story of every good thing that happened this last year and worshiping and praising God for what he's done in your life. And then out of that heart of overflowing gratitude to God because of his goodness, Commit yourself to a 2018 that you will live in submission to God as a response of gratitude for everything that he's given to you. The Bible says when you think about all of the ways God has poured out his merciful love on you, respond by offering your life as a sacrifice back to him. Say, God, be, you know, because of everything you've given to me, I'm now going to give me to you. 
which is simply about giving yourself back to God in love. Committing 2018 to being a year where you discover how wide and high and long and deep is the love that God has for you and then living out the depth of your love back to God in response. And then out of that love for God, living a love for everybody that God brings into your life. Being the source, out of the abundance of what God has poured into you, becoming the source of the generous goodness of God in other people's lives, whether that's through money and stuff, or whether that's through hospitality and inclusion, whether that's through friendship uh, and in invitation to those you know, who are being lonely and excluded and so on, or whether that's through openness and vulnerability, whatever it is that God has poured into your life in abundance, you now turn around and in the love of God pour it out in abundance into the lives of other people. If you're celebrating 2017 as a year to remember, don't forget God. But on the other hand, if you're celebrating 2017 or you're bidding farewell to 2017 as a year to forget, my word to you would be don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. In 2 Corinthians, this is where I want to read to you from. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 16, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul says, if you, if you look at my life from the outside, um, anyone who looks at my life would say that I'm being killed by my circumstances. Actually, elsewhere in this letter of 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, Paul goes on to detail all the stuff that's been going on in his life that would make anyone who looks at his life say, man, you're just getting killed by life. You're getting destroyed. He says, you know, he talks about nine different times where his missionary work on behalf of Jesus has had him dragged in front of authorities who tried to kill him. He says, five times I was whipped, three times I was beaten with rods, one time I was pelted with stones and left for dead. He talks about how his circumstances at times were just absolute chaos, how he was shipwrecked and nearly drowned, how he was attacked, you know, and, and nearly mugged, how he was in danger, he says, from everyone in every place every day. He talks about how he was overworked and sleep deprived, how he was hungry and thirsty, how he had been cold and exposed to the elements, how his life was filled with pressure and anxiety and care and concern for all the churches. And I get that Paul's circumstances are different than yours, but Paul knows what it feels like to feel like you're getting killed by your circumstances every single day. And yet what Paul says is, even though from the outside, it looks like we're getting killed, he says, Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. He says, on the inside, I'm not getting killed. On the inside, I'm actually being restored, refreshed, renewed. Actually, the word is maybe most literally translated as I'm being brought back. Paul says, inwardly, outwardly, my circumstances, my life is a mess. And it's painful, and awful, and it's hard. In fact, Paul says earlier in the letter, he said there were times where he despaired of life. He thought he was going to die. He hoped to die. He wanted to die. It, life was so hard. He says, yet, even though life is so hard on the outside, on the inside, he said, spiritually, I'm making a comeback. 
I'm being renewed and restored in the faith and the hope and the love that comes from my devotion to Jesus Christ. Every single day, he says, day by day, day in and day out, I find the life of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit infusing new life in me. For, this is the reason why, verse 17. He says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I mean, what a remarkable thing for Paul to say. To describe be, tr- attempting to be killed nine times, a shipwrecked, being mugged, being you know, attacked and in danger everywhere he goes, being hungry and thirsty and cold and exposed and under pressure and filled with anxiety, being overworked and you know, sleep deprived. And all of this, he describes all of that as light and momentary trouble. Now that's not true. They, those are heavy, significant circumstances. Paul's despairing of life. He thinks he's going to die and very nearly did several times. It's not a light thing. But he says in comparison with the thing that God is going to do, the thing that God is doing in me and through me in my life and in the world, in light of what the eternal, permanent, significant thing that God is building in me as his kingdom comes, even in the midst of these circumstances, his kingdom comes in my life as it is in heaven. And that will last for all eternity. In light of the beautiful thing that God is doing, even in my circumstances, Paul says, these things are nothing. I can, I can put up with this, the light and momentary, insignificant, inconsequential struggles that are really deep and hard and difficult. He says, I can look at those as light and momentary because of the beautiful thing that God is doing in me and through me in my life and in the world that's gonna last for all of eternity. When I compare this to that, there is no comparison. I will put up with this in order to get that. And so here's what he says, verse 18. This is our kind of instruction, our takeaway. So he says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, therefore, I make the focus of my life. I pay attention not to the stuff Not to my circumstances, not to what everybody else can see is going on in my life. That's not the stuff that consumes my attention and my focus. The stuff that consumes my attention and my focus is the unseen stuff that I know that God is doing as he walks with me every step of the way through my journey. As I lean into him and experience his presence. Paul says this this is the stuff that I pay attention to. Actually, This phrase, fix our eyes, could be translated, look out for. Paul says, I'm not paying attention to my circumstances. I'm looking out to see the hidden things that God is doing in my spirit and in my life and in the world. The stuff that is beautiful and reflective of the goodness of who God is as his kingdom comes on earth as as it is in heaven the stuff that's going to last for all of eternity that's the stuff I fixate on and because I do Paul says I don't lose hope I am renewed in the spirit now that doesn't mean I'll say it again that Paul doesn't find his circumstances hard he does I mean go read the book of Psalms three quarters of the Psalms are people complaining about how crappy their life is to God 
That's a part of the journey. But Paul says, in the midst of that, I never lose hope because the Holy Spirit is renewing me as I continue to look out for what God is doing in the midst and lean into embracing this beautiful thing that God is doing that will far outweigh the struggles that we have in these momentary fights that we fight every day. If tonight at 11.59 and 50 seconds, you're saying farewell to a year you'd rather forget, don't lose hope. God is with you through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit every moment of every day and is redeeming these heavy times and transforming them, resurrecting them into something beautiful that will last for eternity. And you know what, friends? That's what we celebrate at the communion table. The oldest name for communion, I'm going to invite the servers to begin to get ready and make their preparations now. The oldest name in the history of the church for the communion celebration that we're about to experience is the name, is the word Eucharist. It's a Greek word and it means thanksgiving. This is a moment of thanksgiving. And the church, the earliest prayers of thanksgiving in the church, they were always thankful at communion for two things. They were thankful to God the Father who is the creator of heaven and earth and the source of every good gift that we have received in life. And if you're here this today celebrating 2017 as a year to remember, then receive this Eucharist, this bread and this juice, these elements of God's creation in the spirit of thanksgiving for every good gift that God has given you this year. The second thing that they always thanked God for was the gift of Jesus Christ who entered into our world, who entered into our lives and into our pain, who is the high priest that can empathize with what you're going through because he's been through it too and who died on the cross and was raised from the dead to defeat the power of sin and death in our lives and in the world, to make it possible for us and for our lives to experience the power of resurrection that raised him from the dead three days later. And if you are here this morning looking back on 2017, is a year to forget. Receive the bread and the juice of the Eucharist this morning in the spirit of thanksgiving that because Jesus came 2,000 years ago, was born and lived and taught and healed, brought healing into the world and then died and was raised because of Jesus, you can experience the resurrection life of the kingdom of God coming to you in the middle of your circumstances just as it is in heaven. Thank God that he has not and will never abandon you but has come to you in the person of Jesus to rescue you from the power of darkness. That's what we celebrate this morning. So let's pray and give thanks for what God has done in 2017. Almighty Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are the creator of the world. We thank you for the beauty and the joy and the hope and the life that fills our lives so often. 
We thank you because every good and perfect gift comes from your hand, including the gifts that we've experienced in 2017. Our lives are undying gratitude to you. And we thank you for Jesus who came born of a virgin, lived as one of us, died to defeat the power of sin, was raised from the dead to unleash your new life on the world so your kingdom could come on earth and in our lives just as it is in heaven. We thank you that even in the midst of suffering and death, your life and your love are coming on earth in our lives just as it is in heaven. We begin to experience the first fruits, the foretaste of the joy that is to come in the ways that you meet us in the midst of our pain. And so just as Jesus took the bread on the night he was betrayed, and he broke it and distributed it and did the same with the juice and said, do this, and when you do, remember me. Would you help us remember you today? Send your Holy Spirit on this moment, on this communion, send your Holy Spirit on this community that we might be and become Jesus Christ in our lives and to the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.